Siobhan Greenhill is a busy mum of three, wife, musical theatre actress and entrepreneur. Siobhan's here to talk today in honour of her brother, Lewis. Lewis sadly passed away when he was 13 from sudden death syndrome. In the 23 years since, Siobhan has dedicated her time to philanthropy work, fundraising for charities to help raise awareness of cardiac arrest in the young. This is her take on how the events of that tragic day have played a leading part in Siobhan's life. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start quickly by mentioning, you know, the last time that we spoke. and. Yeah. You know, so I kind of had a, a, a pre-interview chat with you just so that I could get the information so that I could help share your story in the right way. And I, I kind of left thinking, you know, from as much as I knew from seeing things on social media, I think I kind of underestimated how horrible, you know, this whole mm-hmm. experience has been for you and how tragic it was and how many layers there are to this as well and I think so many and I think we forget that as well when we see things on social media because we've known each other for I think five or six years now we met on a a gig when we were recording a song which was fun Um, and you know so we've seen things on social media but there's so much that you know we'll un- uncover in, in our chat today but I just I think I really underestimated that and I think it's a lesson for us all that there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't actually realize yeah totally I think that's the thing and actually what whatever your situation is you always make the best of the situation don't you you yeah. know because that's what you would do so mm-hmm. you don't sh- you don't necessarily share that stuff because you can't change it so you mm-hmm. just make the best of don't you I think. yeah Absolutely. So let's let's start back uh, a little bit into your childhood and, you know, your family, who you grew up with, what you did at school, and then kind of progress into um, a university and your studies from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I had a very blessed and privileged childhood. I grew up in Sandhurst in Berkshire. There was three of us. I was the eldest. Um, and my sister, Sorrel, who was 18 months younger than me, and my brother, Lewis, um, who was the baby of the family. Um, so he was five years younger than me. Um, my mum and my dad were still together. That was all great, you know. And, and we had, a, we had a, a beautiful childhood, you know, we're really close family, you know, all completely positive, beautiful memories. And then life, yeah, life, life changed for us really suddenly. You know, my dad's health started to decline initially. I, I, you know, the background to everything I was talking to you about, about Lewis was my father's health. And, you know, because he'd, He'd started to suffer strokes. Um, and um, the second major one of which was actually the day before Lewis passed away, which was just such a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, a lesser shock when you're dealing with the, the death of a sudden death of a 13 year old boy, that was just like completely out of the blue. But um, yeah, so I suppose going into Lewis, cause that was the day it all changed. I mean, Lewis was, he was just lovely. I mean, he's, he was your, your classic younger brother could play my mum and dad an absolute treat and me and Sorrel because he was just, he was just gorgeous and adored us and we adored him. And he was, you know, kind of your classic would love an April Fool's prank, sporty kid doing all this stuff. He used to play tennis for the county. He was really into hockey. He played football. He was just great, you know, classic little scallywag boy, you know, yeah. absolutely joyous on every level, bless yeah. him. And um, 
I mean, just complete, as you know, what happened with Lewis just hit us like a train. So um, back in 1998, he um, was playing tennis for the county. So my mum had dropped him off at tennis coaching. And as I said before, my dad had had a, a horrible, awful stroke the day before. So um, she went in to say to his coach, look, I'm going to be at the hospital all day with my husband, but he wants to be here. And that's what she, it's actually the better place for him. But this is what's happened. Of course, she was chatting and they were, it was like a five minute long conversation, not even that. And in that time, they walked out of the office and the child that was kind of knocking up with Lewis on the court was screaming and Lewis was lying on the court. So my mum went running over and he just collapsed and she turned him over and she says there was like a, a moment, like a flicker in his eyes and she knew he'd gone. Like it was just that he never regained consciousness. They they obviously had first aid people at the scene. Um, ambulance crews were there really quick. They worked on him for an hour and a half, but with my mum there watching the whole thing, I mean, I just can't. Yeah, that's, um, that's horrible for your mum. On her own, you know, and... Um, do you feel that she's maybe glad as well in a sense that she was there, you know, and she was oh God, there in that there's moment? There's nowhere else she would rather be. There's no, you know, to be, it is, you know, um, my, my, I obviously grew up in the eighties and I remember watching that film, Steel Magnolias mm-hmm. with my, do you remember? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and there's that wonderful thing, isn't it? I think it's Sally Field that says it, you know, the, the joy of being at the precious moment when this beautiful soul comes into your life and then when they go out of it again. And I just remember my mum saying that and me thinking, oh, my God, you know, and that, that sort of, you know. But it is, there's nowhere else she would have rather been, but that will have, without a doubt, been the most painful moment of her life, yeah. you know, forever. And then, yeah. um, so, yeah, so he was, he, they pronounced him dead when they got him to hospital but um, he just never regained consciousness. So he was a completely healthy 13-year-old child who collapsed and died from a completely undiagnosed heart condition, which um, uh, they now term sudden death syn- syndrome. You know, um, it, so we, um, we've obviously done a lot of work around that because what we now know is that, um, sadly, there was a couple of kind of warning episodes of this that we just weren't aware of because you're just not aware of it. I mean, this is like 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, medical science has progressed massively. Research funding into all of these types, types of conditions has massively progressed. But we didn't know about this. We didn't know about this. And actually, as I was explaining to you, um, when um, we spoke before, you know, Lewis actually collapsed twice before. Um, which we now know would have been warning signs for what was to come, but it was just dismissed out of hand as, oh, he's mm-hmm. got concussion or this, you know. So the first time being, um, it was Euro 96. I was studying for my GCSEs <laughs> in my bedroom and I could hear him going, you know, and he shoots and he scores, like kicking a football around on the patio. And all of a sudden there was just this massive whack and just like a slight groaning sound. And it was a summer evening, so my windows were open. I looked out and just saw him just lying face down the patio. So obviously I just screamed, Mum! She went running down and um, he, yeah, he just, we just assumed he'd fallen over his feet. He was playing football on the patio, massive lump on his head, because obviously he'd land on a patio like that. Mm-hmm. Took him to hospital, treated for concussion. They said they screened him, didn't pick anything up. That was the first time. And then the following summer, which would have been the year just just um under a year before he died we were cycling 
and we were cycling like down country lanes near the church where we went. We used to sing at weddings on a Saturday. Hilarious. Lady <laughs> um, family from the get go. And um, and uh, we were cycling along all these sort of country roads. And uh, and I was in charge of my brother, so I was like obsessively watching him as you are as an older sister, because my mum would be, "You look after him, you do, you know," and all the rest of it. And I looked over my shoulder, and he was fine cycling along. And then I looked over again, and he was still on his bike, but he literally just lost consciousness on his bike and like collapsed sideways into the hedgerow on his bike so i've gone oh my god leapt off flung him over my shoulder and started to run back to the like the church hall and he came round but again it was like oh he's probably probably got too hot probably overheated and he was sent home from hospital apparently checked but clearly not because devastatingly the third time it happened he died yeah and you just don't know and i just think that's the horrible thing. This potentially could have been prevented, but awareness just wasn't there. And I just remember, and that was my mum's major thing. You know, we were contacted by an incredible charity called Cry Cardiac Risk in the Young, literally a few days after my brother passed away, Alison Cox, who still runs the charity, and her son Stephen had actually um, had a diagnosis and he now runs charity. He's, he was, they helped him. They, they, they solved the problem and he's obviously gone on to live an incredible life. Uh, Stephen Cox is an MBA. He's just an incredible man. They're both incredible charity, you know, and, um, and what they provide in terms of awareness, bereavement counseling so much. And they helped us at a point when we were totally bereft because how can you process or understand that a completely healthy 13 year old child has collapsed and died from a heart attack, from cardiac arrest. How does yeah. that even happen? It's it, never it a, a good time either, but no. to happen with something that you don't know anything about almost no. makes it worse because you're you're forced to, with no answers, you're forced to yeah, deal with something, which I can, it just yeah, I can't no think sense. about. In like, I remember saying to you when I was chatting to you about it, you know, that was the weirdest thing because my dad was so ill as well. So when I was ringing people, because my mum was totally on it, bless her, obviously, just completely we were all devastated, but she was just broken. Mm. And so I was, I took them, I started to call family and friends as you do, you need to tell people we needed support. We need, you know, we just, and I needed to let people know. But every single phone call I made, they went, you mean Barry, who's my dad? And I was like, no, no, I, I mean Lewis. And, and it, there was just, I could, you could almost hear the cogs turning because it just made no sense. So, um, Straight, straight from the get-go, we were desperately trying to understand this. And, you know, and there was so much coverage in the national press and all this stuff because um, there were, there'd been a few kind of footballer instances like Fabrice Nwamba, like fairly well-known people that this had happened to, um, like sporting pros and things like that. But it was it was kind of a – it was very much an, an anomaly, which we now know it's really not, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I don't know, in a situation like that, you have to – you have to find something that you can do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think it was like, we have to, you know, first of all, because we, we were very much straight away with any kind of cardiac arrhythmia problem, there's a large chance it's genetic, mm-hmm. which of course has also played a part in my story, which I'll come on to. But, um, uh, you know, we were just thrust into this place of, oh my God, you know, my mum and dad were thinking, is this going to be something that affects our girls as well? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's the grief, it's the fear, it's the complete lack of understanding, no knowledge, 
no one no one can explain why or how or and then of course as you know you then start to sort of zoom out and look back you think gosh we did there were warning signs but that's just that wasn't what they were heeded as and it was just so not that that's anyone's fault that's just how it was you know and and blame is literally the most futile thing in a moment like that it doesn't change anything so it's it's never been about that but it's been about gosh there are probably other families that have had this happen and it could that could we help them create a different ending so that very much became the focus right from those early days you know and um and that's largely to do with my mother i have to say she's just such an amazing an awesome woman you know to be able to try and find any level of positive out of that level of devastation was huge yeah um so we started to work with um Cry and develop a memorial fund in my brother's name, the Lewis Marsh Fund. And we run, um, as you know now, national screening programs as part of uh, there. I ran the marathon for Cry. <laughs> We've done all sorts of stuff. You've done you know, everything. Uh, oh, God, it's been amazing. But they've been, you know, you have to have, that's been a part, a major thing because I just think, you know, how many people don't know? How many people don't know about yeah. stuff? You know? And um, if in, and that's always been our kind of thought process. If this stops one family going through this heartache, this fear, this uncertainty, this immeasurable grief, then it's worthwhile. Yeah, you've done your job. Yeah. yeah. I think as yeah. well what's, you know, important as well to, you know, we're here to, to talk about your brother. Um, but, you know, all of that experience that you had with your dad you know the day before that's mm. that and that's what I was talking about yeah. with this the layers of this you know because yeah. a stroke just isn't you know something that happens and then you get out of hospital the no. next day there's a no. lot of physical rehabilitation oh, adaption yeah. to the house so all of this is going on and he mm. overnight becomes you know uh grief stricken because he's lost his son but he's also a vulnerable adult you know because he yeah. he needs oh, support yeah. physically as well so yeah you know you and your sister i i would imagine had to grow up pretty quickly overnight as yeah. well to look yeah. after yeah. your mom and your dad yeah i remember i mean dad had had a stroke before as you know so we'd already kind of been through that phase of having the downsides of the house been converted but he was kind of over that initial rehabilitation that's the cruel cruel thing about life right you know you get better and then it happens again yeah and he you know so that was the place when he was at when this second one hit and um and that, I mean, that was just horrific. And I, like I spoke to you, I was, at, I was at drama school in my first year of drama school and I was just going into, at the end of the first year, there's kind of major assessments about, you know, like who's going forward and all this stuff. And it's just really important that you do well in that stuff. And my dad was my biggest cheer. My dad subsequently passed away, as you know, you know, I spoke to you about. Um, mm. uh, he passed away 13 years ago, nearly now. Wow. Um, and um, I... Um, you know, he was, he was totally like, right, you go there and you, and you smash it, darling. And that was all, you know, it was such a gen. He was a real kind of classic British, you know, come on, darling, you can do it. And you're fabulous. And I'm so proud of you and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and so when he became ill, you know, my mum called and said, you know, your, your dad's had a stroke, but he has categorically told me not to tell you because he wants you to do these assessments. So you literally can't come now because he'll just, he needs to be calm. We need to manage the stress. And can you just come tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. Oh my gosh, mum, is he okay? And all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So we were crazy close anyway. We always have been. But, um, and then of course, when I saw him and it was so much worse, he'd clearly, it was clearly been 
like he'd obviously said to my mum, just dull down what you're telling her because I'd have been mm-hmm. there like a shot, you know, anyone yeah. would. Yeah. And um, so that was pretty horrific, obviously. And then, like I said, I spoke to you, you know, about arriving in A&E, pushing my dad in a wheelchair, who's obviously in a dreadful state, looking as you do when you just had a stroke. And I've kind of like... I, I was collected from Guildford where I was at college by a family friend because, of course, when my mum rang to say, she just told me Lewis has had an accident. Obviously, didn't want to tell me on the phone what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit like, oh, God. So I'm thinking he's, like, broken his wrist or something. Yeah. Not obviously you wouldn't think this for a second. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, okay, I'll drive over, drive over. No, no, you mustn't drive. You mustn't drive. I'm sending someone to pick you up. So a family friend came and collected me. And we drove, we're driving all the way there and we're chatting. And this guy's like a really good friend of the family, you know. And I'm chatting away going, oh, my gosh, have you seen Dad? How bad is Dad? Because I feel like they're not telling me everything. And, you know, and he's, you know, and all this stuff. And um, and and I'm just sort of chatting lightly. What's Lewis done, you know, and asking him all these questions. And he's literally giving me one word answers thinking, I don't know how that man got through what was, you know, like a 45 minute an hour car journey without saying, without telling me. And we got mm. there and he kind of stopped and took my hand and said, Chev, Lewis, this isn't a good situation. Lewis, Lewis isn't good. Your mum's really going to need you. And I, and I was like, it's okay. Um, it's okay. And I, I, I still wasn't, I wouldn't have never even considered what I was about to walk into because how could you, who mm-hmm. would, you know? And um, so we got my dad who was obviously not great. And that was really awful. But of course you try and hide it from them, don't you? So I was like, oh, you look great. You know, and I'm like literally biting my own tongue thinking, don't cry. Because if I'd have gone, he'd have gone, you know. Mm-hmm. That didn't know, obviously, at this point. And um, so I've walked into A&E and I'm, I'm all, hello, I'm Siobhan Marsh. That's my my, my actual name, as it were. I'm Siobhan, you've got my brother here, Lewis. Um, this is my dad. And everyone just looks really solemn and kind of like lowers their head took my dad off me and then did like a swerve into a small room. So as I opened the door, you know, like an atmosphere just hits you like a cold breeze. And as the door swung back, I could see like some of our family and friends in there. And then I saw my sister who looked hideous and they'd taken my dad around the other way. And I I remember thinking, I don't want to walk in the room, you know, and you're just like, I don't don't know. And it was obviously it was seconds, but I can just remember it like it was like time froze. And I walk, walked in the room, saw Sorel, who just grabbed me, so was my sister. And my dad came around the other way, and my mum knelt down between us on the floor, held, holding both our hands, and just said, Lewis has had a heart attack and we've lost him. Because obviously, which was obviously just horrendous and inconceivable in every way. But of course, the added worry was my dad's health. You know, they didn't know, they had. They took him straight away, they were like, right, clear the room, there was a team working with him because they just didn't know what that was going to mean for him health-wise you know so they they, they literally had a crash team there mm-hmm. ready it was just it was ridiculous. It was, it was just ridiculous and, and like so my sister's taking me on come with me come with me I'll take you to see him and I'm thinking I don't want to see him what are you talking I'm just going what 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 and I was like where's mum mum's obviously with dad Sorel's got me and I was just like what what how what and literally before I knew where we were we're in this room and Strauss opened the door and there's Lewis just lying there looking perfect yeah and 13 years old and he had a graze on his face where he'd obviously landed but it was just literally so inconceivable like I just can't 
you know, when you see somebody you love anyway, you're just like, oh, your natural instinct is to hug them. But he was, he was already, he'd been dead for hours, you know, and it was just, it's just something that you just don't ever think you'll see, let alone when it's a child and your brother, your baby brother, you know, it's just the most awful thing. Um, and then, and then I'm going, Where, where's dad? Where's my, you know, you just, you just want everyone, like the world just to stop and just to kind of put a big blanket around everybody and just, because it just literally was the most inconceivable thing ever. Mm-hmm. So it was, I mean, that, I don't think I'll ever experience trauma like that ever again. I mean, please God, I don't. <laughs> it was just, it was, yeah, touch everything. Do you think, um, it, it, yeah. when, I mean that that sort of level of trauma never leaves you and it's no, you know and no. it totally becomes a, a part of you but at what point did you kind of come out of that really intense this has just happened period and steer your attention into right this has happened now what can we do well I, I think straight away on a practical level like you were saying before about Sorel and I having to grow up quickly straight away when we got home it was clear that that was going to have to happen because my mum was just broken they had sent a nurse, they let my dad come home that night and they sent a nurse to the house and sedated him and my mum went to sleep and she was just clinging onto a t-shirt of my brother's and just a complete state and my sister was in bed and then I, my 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 room's completely the other side of the house we had a big house it was com- like completely the other side of the house and I'd have had to have walked past what would have been Lewis's kind of wing. He had like a third floor of the house of his own. I just couldn't do it. So I literally slept on the floor of my sister's bedroom. Mm. I just couldn't go. I couldn't. I was just too frightened to go down there. And I remember thinking, there's no one to put me to bed. I was 18. <laughs> but I just, in that instant, you know, when you're just like, yeah, there isn't it's anyone. So interesting. And that, and, um, but my abiding thing was I just need to look after my mum and dad and my sister. Do you know what I mean? So that definitely, so funny because I just wasn't that person. My mum used to say to me as a child, you would worry about not having something to worry about because I used to worry about everything. But in that instant, life just becomes like, right, okay. And I just, I just want it. You just always want to make things better, don't you? And I just think seeing that level of pain and grief and not being able to stop it in the people that you love most in the whole world is awful because that's the other thing about grief isn't it you know you've got your own loss but it's the pain that you feel for everybody else is just horrific also so um so I think straight away from on that level and then you have to try and turn something into a positive don't you like quite quickly because I think when it's a Lewis's funeral was huge I mean literally the churchyard was absolutely rammed they had to rig up like so people could hear the service outside the the streets were like completely lined with people it was like nothing I've I mean the, the photos there was it was it all in the in the national newspapers it was crazy mm. um and he's buried in the churchyard of the church that we went to that I was married in that my my son was christened in you know all this stuff you know mm. and um so it was very much a focal part of our community. And I just think people, people wanted to do something. So we had all, people were trying to give, because we were saying no flowers, because it just seems like ridiculous, because there would have been like flowers, like tons. So we, so we said, you can donate. And we'd heard about this charity. So we said, so that, but there was suddenly a lot of money. And we were just like, we need to do something with this. And my mum sort of said, you know, and, the, and, and it was crying that said to us, you know, you can have memorial funds 
and you know and we can you can ring fence that those funds for whatever you know you feel like you want the legacy to be so straight away we just decided that you know we wanted lewis's legacy to be um you know preventative and and something positive so we set about fundraising um, to create these screening programs and there was things for a hospital in North London to, to, to screen Olympians because of course Olympians aren't professional athletes mm. a lot of the time do you know what I mean so they don't yeah. necessarily have that level of screening and stuff so it was there's all so all kinds of stuff like that so initially it was just fundraising for machinery and, and you know, all this stuff and then it became like a literally a screening program so we would organize through the local football club, a whole weekend of screening where people could come along and it would be completely free and they could have, um, it, they had to be over the age of 14, just because that's the laws on cardiac screening in this country, which is crazy when my brother died at 13, but we'll get to that. Yeah. That's the law. That's so, um, yeah, so I, we do a lot of work about, you know, um, you know, just kind of talking to local MPs and through Parliament about really assessing that as well. But, you know, as with anything to do with, the NHS, it comes down to funding. So anything mm-hmm. like this that's private is just incredible. So the nurses would work for free, but we had to pay the doctors to read the the outputs that the machines created to kind of look for anomalies. And um, so we've done that for, well, literally from the year after. Okay, so relatively died. soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first, because the first concert we organised through, when I, I was still at GSA, obviously, so GSA Singers, we organised like a fundraising concert, which created you know, a great, you know, kind of a great amount of money. And that, like, that was our, both me and my sister, as you know, are musical theatre actresses. So that mm. was kind of, that seemed the obvious thing. thing. Yeah, 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 you know. And, and you just kind of have to give whatever you can. And, and obviously we've done so much of that since um, and all sorts of other crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to try and, I just think you've got to try and, you know, we, we worked out that we needed to be able to run this screening in the way that we wanted to. And remember as well that that's been massively a lifeline for my mum. Mm-hmm. And, and she is, she has been so positive because obviously it's, it's just been hellish at times yeah. and, you know. Yeah. It's but, even, yeah. you know, I've, I've been doing, you know, a little bit of research and I looked on the cry website and, yeah. you know, looked up um, and it came up on the homepage, sudden cardiac death and it came up um, saying sudden cardiac death is an umbrella term used for many different courses of cardiac arrest in the young in many cases of sudden cardiac death the uh, condition that caused the cardiac arrest is an inherited heart condition and the person's immediate family should be referred to a specialist for assessment testing for safeguarding them so even mm. that in itself, you know, going back to that instant, um, yeah. you know, trauma for your family, even that in itself is terrifying to to, mm. to read if you've been in, you know, if somebody in your family yeah. has been involved in this. So I think it's really important that you're not just going out there fundraising and passing the money across. You have taken this not well-known condition and yeah. you've become so invested in it financially and emotionally physically everything that you can do because mm. you know and it's those sort of approaches to things that add a little bit of grit to it and give it more of a yeah. you know a pull for an audience to get involved yeah but, but with that you know as you know a, a, a mother your mother at that time you know she kind of went into that place thinking about her children and the rest of her yeah. family as a mother now you know how is that 
you know, how did that play a part yeah. in you deciding to have children in the first place? And yeah, then when yeah, your children exactly. came, you know, how did it yeah. pan out? I mean, I, I've always, I've always wanted, I mean, you, you know me, so you know, I'm like a mother to anyone anyway. That's just yeah. who I am. I am yeah. just like, I can't help myself. So I've always been, that's always been one of my, I've always seen myself as a parent and I've always, you know, kind of prayed and wished and hoped that I'd be blessed with children. And I am so blessed to have three beautiful, beautiful children. But um, I don't think I really understood the level of kind of fear and grief until I had my own kids, because it's literally like having your heart walking around outside your body, <laughs> you know. And and then I completely saw what my mother went through on a totally different level, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and I was terrified, you know. Obviously, it's always, it's in all of our medical notes. I was checked. We have an incredible um, Elijah Bear um, is our consultant at um, uh, St George's in Tooting it, um, and under the Inherited Cardiac Disease Clinic, and they are just incredible. I mean, just incredible, and and they've just been huge for us as a family. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, so ironically obviously we'd gone through all of that and of course the second the the children were born I I was like can you can you look at them and initially you know they've all just had initial echoes like um which is like almost like an ultrasound of your heart Mm -hmm. and an ECG which is where they just run a trace just to check things and that was fine when they were tiny tiny and then that was that and I just kind of thought oh they're fine and then of course I ironically through the fundraising I obviously said I was going to run the London Marathon for Cry, which was great. But obviously with the whole thing for Cry being prevention and awareness and all this stuff, you know, it would have been a little bit eggy if I'd have kind of carked it at mile 23 or something. Yeah. <laughs> and to be clear, I was no athlete back in those days. Um, so I, um, uh, you know, but for me as well, that was the ultimate, like, taking my power back you know I've run a marathon which obviously puts massive strain on your heart I knew I was okay but to be able to run the marathon for cry I had to be medically cleared by them which was not a simple process obviously because they are thorough they really look after people and they would never put anybody at risk but obviously when you're you know you're the main say of your fundraising body is families that have been affected by this obviously the chances are higher that, that it's going to repeat within those families so so that was that. So um, I, yes, yeah, so I had to go through all this really in, kind of extensive screening and they reopened my brother's case um, and things moved on substantially in that time frame in terms of their awareness of stuff. And they were like, right, you know, we now know looking at the data that we have and what we can see in you, that this was mu- much more likely that he died of an arrhythmia problem, which is much more, you know, so much more likely to be genetic. So as a precaution, again, we need to look at your children. So I was just grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they they did and found out that my youngest child, who is now nine, she was three or four at the time, um, had um, was presenting with prolonged QT. So that's a, a syndrome, long QT syndrome was potentially the cause of my brother's death. But of course, like you just said, they don't that that, that umbrella term covers it. They're not 100 percent sure because we don't mm-hmm. have any tissue from my brother to check but it it seems the most likely cause and my youngest daughter was then presenting with prolonged QT which is too long between her heartbeats so I mean which just you know and you just think oh my god like talking (sighs) about like your your worst nightmare and and of course they 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 kind of screened the other two and that was fine the older two and then they looked at her and I could sort of see them looking at numbers and going oh 
And then I'll just get somebody else and I'm going, what, what, what? Because you just do, don't you, in that mm. situation? I was just like, panic, please tell panic. me what and then they sent me home they said, don't panic we're just going to look at numbers and the rest of it and they sent me home and said we'll call you but I just couldn't I was just like my heart was literally in my throat and then it wasn't until the next day they rang they were just quick as they could be but and they just said look you know she she it, it, she's just got to it's, it's prolonged QT she's not got long QT syndrome she's not quite there but it's so obviously she's basically monitored much more closely now which I'm just so grateful for because mm. we wouldn't have known yeah we wouldn't have known. And it's almost, it's not um, the, the news that you want to hear as a mother and you, you, no. you don't want to have that panic, but thank God that you, you did have that opportunity yeah. to be given this information yeah, so that yeah, it can exactly. be. And, well, and, it, and it doesn't like stop them doing stuff. It doesn't, but you just have to do it in a, in a way. Like if, for example, a child like Darcy was, or any of my kids actually, you know, if they were at a friend's house and they collapsed the mother would probably go in, in a normal situation, you'd probably go, Oh, bless you. Have a cup of, have a, you know, have a drink of water, a cup of water, sit down. Maybe you're too hot. You can't do that with my children. Mm-hmm. Anything, shortness of breath, pain in their chest, they collapse. You call 999 straight away. Vigilance is key. There's a tiny window to get these kids back. If there's a defibrillator in the area, you know, you get on the phone to 999, you explain there's a family history of sudden cardiac death syndrome. They'll say there's a defib there go get it if she goes into cardiac correct do you know what I mean you mm-hmm. the window is tiny but you would act very differently to um with you know to somebody that didn't have any history like this yeah. you might just go oh they've just got out of breath or they but there's no time for that there's no mm-hmm. time for that if you want to save this child if there is something and I just think you can save so many lives if you just know knowledge is power yeah. as much as it's painful don't get me wrong <laughs> it is also power you know how have you you know placed that sense of urgency onto you know your children's friends and their parents because you know that urgency comes from fear of your experience that you had so how have you placed urgency without fear there well I mean anyone that knows me knows that this is just a thing you know and Mm -hmm. obviously they're just it's they're completely fine but if anything like that happened call 999 then call me yeah you know what I mean yeah. that's that's because I, I would never want and I can't you can't you can't live your life in fear you can't mm-hmm. I think I I think initially it was a bit of a shock and then I just thought do you know what the horrible thing is from doing these screening programs sometimes we'd screen like you know 200 kids over a weekend and find 12 that had to be referred mm-hmm. that's amazing Great. though that you've set something up that is no. you know highlighting and, and- that yeah, and some were like obviously just minor irregularities, but it's better to know. Mm-hmm. Some were deeper issues, but man, it's better to know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and so, and you can't, you just cannot live in fear. You know, when they were tiny, we had like a monitor thing to like an alarm on their cot for to monitor their breathing, just mm-hmm. basically to help me sleep. I think because I just yeah. was like, Ugh. um, and uh, but I don't know. You just can't. I can't, and I've never actually discussed this with the children. My children don't know because Mm -hmm. I don't want to put that on them. I've lived with that and it feels horrible. And then you kind of have to go, I can't ruin my, I can't base, have my whole life dictated on a family, by, you know, by family tragedy um, that was over 20 years ago. I can't, Mm -hmm. and Lewis wouldn't want that and no one would want that. And that's totally counterproductive. 
Yeah, and, and I just think you have to you have to find a way to trust and you know know that you all I can ever know as a mother is that I've done my best for those children. I will not wrap them up in cotton wool because I don't need to be. If they you know if there if there was there's stuff they can do with these heart syndromes. You know, some some children are fitted with pacemakers. You know, there's there's all sorts of things that they can do. Sometimes it's drug controlled. They might some if there's something structurally that could be altered with the heart, they can do that. There's so much that they can do, but you know, and and a lot a large amount of the time it is just just be vigilant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And be and be aware. Just like with a stroke, actually, they say, don't mm-hmm. they? Fast action with a stroke. Yeah. The more the quicker you act the more of the person you say it's totally the same for so many conditions but you know and you know we I, I just can't live in fear I can't that's not what you know life is short this if this taught me one thing it's that life is short and you don't know like you you don't know what's coming tomorrow what happened to our family was literally the last thing in the world I would have ever expected ever mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. and um so you just have to You've just got to go. You've just got to go for it, and yeah. and and not live in fear, know, but be yeah, cautious. And, and yes, of course. Uh, you know, and, and you know, of course, I, I would always do everything. You know, I've always just like I've always just been like, right. As long as I know I've done my best, I'm, I've I've get, got the help. We've had it all checked. I'm following medical guidance, and I'm telling other people get your heart checked so you can go to uh, cry there's testmyheart.org there's there's like a there's loads of stuff i mean obviously through the pandemic a lot of this stuff has suffered but if you are if you have a concern go to your gp just go and ask that you know the nhs is open my kids have been in and out of hospital having their checks done during the pandemic and it you know the service was as incredible as it always Mm -hmm. has been is this something that you need, you know, the, the national screening program that you have, is yeah. it uh, something that you can, in your GP appointment for something else, you can say, oh, while I'm here, can you do this? Or is it something that needs to be booked in or? You could, well, with the, with the, if you've got, if you have, if you're experiencing symptoms, you need to go to, or, or there's kind of a medical, like a genetic link, go to your GP straight away but um anybody the whole point of our heart screening programs was because but a bit like my brother you may not have symptoms it might just Mm. happen out of the blue um so um so there's lots of you know there's families like ours that are organized it through so i can actually send you a link to this um it's literally just test my heart and they and there's and there's national screening programs and you just book online it's free and you go and now obviously these conditions uh, affect normally up to the age of 35 and um, it affects people okay. um and then because oh, over and above that it, it's sort of termed something different you know mm. but um but is there yeah. any activity happening in schools with this have you you know sat in a school hall in we're not able to do that legally well true i mean that would be the that's obvious right yeah we do, it through, we do it we do it through sports clubs so um, I think it's I think it's just because and, and this is tricky. I'm not sure if this is completely correct. My understanding is so if I've misquoting anyone, I'm so sorry. My understanding is, you know, I think it all as I said before, it comes down to money. You know, it's it's not inexpensive to um, to to have cardiac screening it is expensive you know it costs it's between 45 and 48 pounds per reading for these readings to be kind of because it's 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 kind of really um 
it's really difficult to it's really difficult to diagnose mm-hmm. it, it, you know all this stuff so you need a specialist and there's there's lots there's you know a limited number of people that can see this so that's that's the issue and i just think and you know the thoughts around cardiac screening vary hugely across the medical profession because that you can have be have you know cardiac screening done and you might be okay in that instant but mm. you know sometimes you're not afterwards like my brother do you yeah. know what I mean and um but as a family that is all you've got that is yeah. all we had you know and I've had this discussion with cardiologists over the years where they've just sort of said you know look I'm not uh, you know I, I I I had one full-on argument with a doctor <laughs> about it who said who basically regaled me with a story of um, a, a friend of his, a colleague of his, and uh, he was a doctor. The wife was a doctor, and they had a 15-year-old son. And they were chatting about mobile phones. And the child was sat on the bed, looking at his mobile phone. And then they asked him a question. He's had his back to them. Asked him a question. Asked him a question. He didn't respond. Then he slumped, and he died straight. That just died there in front of them. They were both doctors. They'd mm. never had any kind of awareness of, um, you know, of this. And but I mean, what like a what a helpful things and I went why are you telling me this I know that I've lived through it that's why I'm here let's do something about it I don't need to so he was basically saying you know you can keep you can keep getting these kids screen but all it's telling you is that they're okay in this instant Hmm. and I was just like and that's almost, then I the, said, the only thing that you can hold on to is is this and he's yeah and 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 he'd been to some he'd been to some convention for cardiologists and and he said, you know, and, and someone was talking about the importance and the relevance of cardiac screening. He said, and then they said in the room, you know, could you, obviously all cardiologists, all debating kind of the importance of, cardi- of, of cardiac screening. And um, and he said, you know, and, I, uh, and somebody said, the speaker said, you know, could you raise your hand if you had your, uh, your own children screams? Sorry, that's my husband flushing the toilet. Let me just say that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so he, he was at a convention with cardiologists and um, he said, you know, the speaker was kind of debating the importance of cardiac screening and, you know, and said to this kind of room of doctors, could you please raise your hand if you've had your own children screened? And every single doctor in that room put their hand up. But so that, that to me says that they know what the relevance is, but you have to measure it against. There's so many things, isn't there? Yeah. I understand that there's so many things. Um, and it goes down to, just, to what you were saying a second ago about money and privilege. Yeah. You know, it should yeah, not be exactly. a privileged position because no. you're a doctor to have your children you know, screened. Yeah. So I was a bit like, and I, and I didn't even know if that was the case, but, you know, they, they whatever's happened. But I just, so we've just always been passionate that, like, if you can get that out to people, because I didn't even know. And it's only then, you know, I know when you were talking, and when we were chatting before, you were saying, gosh, I remember there was a guy in my teenage years that this mm-hmm. something happened. Yeah. It was probably the same thing, but the awareness has, is, has grown so much over mm-hmm. this kind of time period about what this is, how it manifests and all of that stuff. Um, and uh, you know, and and that's. It, but it's so important that that happens because you just might be able to help another family. Yeah, because it was, you know, it's you know, that guy at my my school. He was fifteen, and mm-hmm. you know, even there might be people listening to this now that have never heard about this. But the fact mm-hmm. that there's two people here, we're sitting, and it's yeah. affected somebody that's been in our circle and close to us. Yeah. You know, my nephew. He's actually, his middle name's actually um, 
after the the guy Ryan that passed away because yeah, um, my brother is really good friends with him so you know that's it's been something that's you know been a part of yeah. our life as well and I remember the commotion around this at school because there's there was there's I think there's a, a bench or something at the front of my old school with his name on it mm. and like a little pond or something but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just when it happens and it's a kid it makes it slightly different it really does and I think as well at your parents rightly would have shielded you from that do you know what I mean because I think I because I I talk to friends now you know I'm 41 (laughs) so I talk to people now who I was at school with and they're just like I remember that so clear like you know and like my brother's best friend at the time he passed away um Nick has gone on to live the most incredible life. He runs nature reserves in like in Africa, in like Botswana wow. and, and literally, and I just, and like, oh, he just, it's so incredible. Yeah, every single birthday, anniversary, he'll reach out and go, I'm thinking of you. I'm having a beer for him. I, you know, and like his memory will, I know that Lucy's memory will live on because for so many of us, I do believe he was the catalyst to go and live your best life. He had, because, and because, and like, it can't be anything else because you can't change it. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that's the incredible, that's the pain, the beautifully painful thing is that, you know, we always talk about, don't we, you know, everything that happens to you, even the horrifically painful things, it has happened for a reason. And, you know, and I do just, I remember, you know, I remember like even from literally, so we buried my brother on the Friday and on the Monday, my mum forced me to go back to college. Literally was like, and she literally said to me, I am not losing two children over this. Mm. And I, and I was, I mean, now as a mother, I do not know how she did that because she must have just wanted to just keep us close. And she literally said to me, I'm not losing two children over this. You are going. And I was a mess. Couldn't sleep. But but thank God she did that because I never would have gone back. I wouldn't have done. And then I would never have had my career. I'd have never followed my dreams. I'd have never met so many of the people that have become pivotal in my life. You know, it just wouldn't have happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, um it's, it's interesting, you know, like. Stands up, doesn't it? And as you, as we sit here and have this conversation, you know, and reflect on this huge part of your life, you know, mm-hmm. you've made this a daily thing. So has mm-hmm. this, you know, it's it's caused, it's made you have this fight and this grit and yeah, made you like really, on. yeah, be full on with this experience. But has that been re-traumatizing every time that you you do something no. or you you speak about it again or no. has that feeling of fulfillment by doing this you know kind of not taken away the the origin of loss but it you know has kind of made this process a little bit easier to deal with you know? yeah I just think you have to I've just literally I've I've said so many times you know I've I'm I want to I want to live the width, length, breadth, height, depth of my life life because my brother couldn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he wasn't given the chance. It's so cruel. It's beyond cruel, tragic that a beautiful 13-year-old child would have their life whipped away from them in that sense. But I didn't. And do you know, it's just I just feel like I'm honoring his memory mm-hmm. and I'm and I and I'm 
I'm making it so he will never be forgotten and he, he will have, um, you know, something positive has come out of this experience. All that pain wasn't for nothing. All of that, you know, all of that fear, all of, all of that stuff, which you can't change. And in a situation like we went through is totally normal. Of course you're going to go through all of that stuff, but it has to, it has to mean something that has to, there has to be something that has to be a positive outcome. And, you know, and Lewis actually has all has become my greatest inspiration, mm. you know, massively. Nice. I think it's, you know, we're not, very, we're not very good as people at uh, giving ourselves praise for things that we do in our life. But it mm. seems that while there's maybe a sense of anger there that this happened, you're actually, mm in the face of that, you can now look back at this and with a sense of pride from what you've managed oh, to God, do. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of my mum. My mum is phenomenal. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of like how it pulled my family together. Do you know what mm. I mean? And, um, and I'm so, I'm so proud of all of, all of that stuff and, and how so many people chose to play a part in this all of the volunteers that have always worked for us people that have always supported the events that we've run people that have um you know that have cared that have remembered you know the uh, like my my messages on lewis's birthday or or the, the anniversary of his death or you know the messages and the things like, or, or when i go to his grave and someone's put flowers or it's just so it's so lovely it's so kind and it and you just that's the thing, you know, I just, you, you like to think, don't you, that you'll have an impact after you're not here anymore because we're just here for like a nanosecond, really. Mm. And I do really feel that, you know, that's part of, that's part of what, you know, what's happened with Lewis. And I just, and, um, and he has, and it has made me think, you know, I've, I went for, <laughs> I'm working in and have been, you know, working for, a kind of two not easy career choices mm -hmm. but I don't do easy I do like what I, like you've got you've got to go big or go home haven't you do you know what I mean and like you know this isn't and like I, I feel firmly like the kind of thing around my life is this is not a dress rehearsal tomorrow is not promised live for today see the joy in everything it's been you know and I remember I, I've said this to people so many times I'm sure I probably said it to you when we chatted before but it, it's almost like it's given this kind of like ready brick glow around me like I remember thinking nothing will ever be this horrendous ever again you know that that, that the way that the it was just such a shock and it was just such grief and it was just it was just so awful but I just remember thinking nothing will be this horrendous ever again so it and it just made I don't know it, it has it did become the catalyst that pushed me to do so many things you know when opportunities are arisen you know have arisen and I felt scared I've just thought it's not, it can't yeah. be that bad. It's formed your your response to yes. things in your life has, you know, the blueprint that you have is yeah. go, 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 fight, fight, yeah. fight, you know, and yeah. that's probably set you up in a really wonderful way as well in, in a yeah, sense yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's made you become incredibly successful as a mom and as an actress and a, a business owner and all of these different mm -hmm. elements of your life because you have that inner you know that's your fuel that's what you fill yourself up with you know he's and actually you know i want to be in a position to kind of share share this with as many people as possible because 
you, you know, you don't know what the impact of that is. You know, that compound effect of somebody knowing somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, like how that can, how that might reach the right ears or help somebody, you know, you know, in, in any situation. Or, 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 and, and I think it's just so important. It gave us it gave us purpose when we needed it more than anything. Because when something like this happens and it's so sudden and it's such a shock, all your purpose is gone, you know. And I often think, you know, for my mum, it must have just been so hard for her because, you know, you've got a child at home who's like a child and then suddenly, you, you know, that that's all altered in every way, shape and form. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and it gave us it, it gave us purpose when we needed it. And then it just became so much bigger than us and about, like, what 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 we could pay forward and, you know, and... Yeah. And all of that stuff. And on a practical level, the irony of then that kind of showing up in my daughter. I mean, my gosh. But thank God I'd said I'd run the marathon because I wouldn't have had that additional yeah. screening. They may not have. You know, and you just think this That's is a reflection on, you know, marvelous. a result of the hard work that you're putting in to create yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this legacy, you know. So, yeah. And you know, sometimes, you know, you can tell when you talk to people that have had traumatic mm. accidents or incidents in their life that have involved other people, family members, and you can, you can see in their eyes that they have, there's pain and there's, there's no way of getting them from that moment of initially being told. Mm. And while you mm. have a sense of that pain, I can mm. really, I sense more of this fire and this drive to, yeah. you know, really create conversation create change and make people aware of it and I think that's a credit to to everything that you've been doing and it's so nice to to see that in someone because there's a light at the end of the tunnel you know yeah there there has to be because I just I remember thinking you know and I know you'll have been through this as much as you don't say you know like the reason you can see that is because it's it's mirrored right back in you you know I, I I can't have imagined like the the fear and the desperation, you know, when, when you first had your accident, all of that stuff, but, and, and you, cause you, you, there's that fear, isn't there with anything like this? Do you think, will I ever be happy again? Will mm. I ever genuinely feel happy again? And that's the major fear that you don't think you ever will. And then, and you kind of, that's what, why what you're doing with this is so incredible to be able to share that. However horrific it is, the sun will come out again. It will, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it might, it might, shine at a different angle mm-hmm. or it might appear a different color to you or you might feel it in a very different way but the sun will come out again mm-hmm. and you know the joy that you experience will be richer for it you know and that's and that's the thing you know I just um it's it's powerful to know that because you just have to give people hope whether it's hope of you know of that knowing that you you will be able to breathe again you will be it will all be okay mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? yeah or or whether it's practical or, or whatever, that's that's what's so important. I just think, you know, a, a human, like the human spirit is boundless and we are so strong and you mm-hmm. don't know how strong you are until you're put in a situation where there is no choice. Yeah, I think but, that's uh, why I'm so, you know, I was really attracted to that, the layers in your story, you know, and yeah. that, that was really what I was thinking because I'm in that stage now where I'm starting to see those layers within my own story. And, mm. you know, people say to you at the beginning, you're going to be a different person after this. You're going to change, you know, and mm. it's, it's almost like, oh, I, I don't think I am like, you know, but yeah. n- now when you look back and you have this 
perspective on life that is given to you in the most horrendous way, Mm. it really does change you. And I actually feel, and you might be able to, you know, agree with this yourself in your own story. I feel the way that I speak and the way that I hold myself is completely Mm. different, completely different. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it, it is that thing, isn't it? You know, at that moment when you feel at your weakest, at your most vulnerable, or you've experienced the most pain, that is when you are handed that kind of ticket to create greatness that you never knew was in you because you've never had to tap into it before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You kind of just go along a level, don't we? And then when you've got to go, like really go for it and hold mm-hmm. and hold on to life, that's when you and look for purpose and look for all that stuff, that's when you see that there's so much more. And I just think you do live in a very different, in a very different way. So this is what's why it's incredible you doing this. I just think oh, it's so thanks. powerful. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I want to finish with vision and, you know, thinking about the future. And is there anything that you haven't done already that you want to do? And that could be, within the medicine world and or it could be mm. fundraising or you know what what does that look like for you? I would I would love to be able to just help get this out more and more and more and more and more to people. I'd love to be able for it, for it to be something that um you know that this cry have been the most incredible support to us, Cardiac Risk and the Young. I can't thank them enough in every way shape and form um but they're a small charity i'd love to be able to and they're doing they're doing pra- the practical stuff they're doing the bereavement counseling they're helping people kind of navigate that crazy world of cardiac screening you know that they're, they're doing awareness they're doing they're giving people a, um, a place of memorial for their loved ones i'd lo- i want like continuing supporting that charity is huge for me and i'd love to be able to do that um become successful enough that that's something that I can just do off my own back mm-hmm. do you know what I mean just again this this is you know to be able to hand that that funding to them do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that's that's a huge thing for me because but it is all about because I want my brother to have a legacy I want I, I, I want him to always be remembered and you know and and um so that's that's definitely there and I know that that will for me entail you know how I love a bonkers challenge I mean I've done marathons I've done ultra marathons yeah <laughs> I've done I'm going to have to climb some sort of mountain or do something, aren't I? So there's always, I would, there's nothing that, you know, you know, there's nothing. There's nothing I've too ever small said. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's just, I, I, I just, I, I think I, you know, my vision for, for the future, for my life um, is to live, like I said before, the length, width, depth, height, breadth, the whole kit and caboodle of it. And, um, and, and that's, that's, you know, and, and to be able to have the choice and flexibility to do that. So, you know, there's, because you don't know what you don't know, do you? And I think that's the, that's the crazy, the crazy journey of life. So I know that there's so much that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many brilliant people that I haven't met. And there's so, and, and that's what's so, so exciting. So I just want to, I, I just, if anyone um, is, is ever feeling locked in a place of fear or grief or anything, you know, just to be able to, you know, you won't always feel like that. You won't, you'll be able, and you'll be able to, you know, just help people through that, help, help them live their best life. And, and, you know, however that, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever that looks like in any way, shape and form, I don't know. You just want, you just want to be somebody that's left a positive impact. And even though we lost my brother in that awfully cruel way, he really has, 
He really did. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, he's and lived my on mom. and who yeah, knows what I he would have think... done with his life, but exactly. You know, amazing. You know, you, you don't created. know. Yeah, you, you don't know how that would have looked. And I do think that, you know, I remember somebody gave us this beautiful poem about God's lent child. And it was about, I'll lend you a child, God says. And it was all about like, I remember it so clearly, um, to love while he lives and mourn for when he's dead. And I remember thinking straight away reading it, I'm not going to mourn for him because that's not what he would want me to do. He'd want me to live for him. Mm. And that's, that's totally what I see. So I'm just like, uh, and with and with my kids, I'm just like they're just they're quite they're so fearless, <laughs> and I, and I just think it's because I'm just like just go for it, just go yeah. for anything, you know. With me, obviously, running behind them, going, "Be careful!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do yeah. as a mother. But I'm just like, just go for it. Yeah. You've got to go for it. Yeah, dream so big, live big. Yeah. yeah, massively. Yeah. I think as well, you know, money is is obviously very important. And we've spoken about that a couple yeah. of times, you know, fundraising is important. However, yeah. I feel that aside from that, what you can give to that charity and what you, your own experience is invaluable mm. because mm. you being able to share your your story and have this, you know, wonderful perspective on it and I think it's going to really help people and I think your story can translate to so many different situations in life and I think it's a really important lesson to to learn and it's also an important lesson in how to keep someone's life alive you know Mm. after they go Mm. and I think you've aced that and I don't think there's anything that you could do differently I think you're ticking all the boxes and you're doing everything right mm. and you know and he definitely would be proud of you as well for for everything oh, that you're doing, I so. hope I I do you know I hope so because it's it's just so bizarre isn't it you get I'm just so grateful for all the years that we did have because it was and I've still and the memories are, they become the memories become like crystal clear and like protected in glass do you know what I mean in your mind don't they They just become like so clear and I just I mean it's looking around my house out pictures on the walls and stuff and I just it's just it's in it's incredible it is incredible so I just think I've just felt massively grateful when those things happen you know that I just I I, I, like years later just just quick story just to explain it but like when, when I lost my dad years later I went to so he died 13 years, literally 13 years, exactly, after my brother died. Oh, wow. um, crazy. And I completely lost my voice. Now, obviously, as a musical theatre actress and, you know, obviously a singer, I was just like, I had this horrendous suffering and I just completely lost my voice. And I went to the doctor and was like, I felt like a lump. And, and there was like a physical lump in my throat. And and then she said, you you don't seem like you. And of course I said, oh, my dad died. And it was just awful. I was just explaining what had happened. And my doctor's so lovely. And she sat there and listened to me. And um, she's a Muslim lady. And she just said to me, okay. She said, I'm sat here listening to you and just thinking this is incredible because I didn't have this level of closeness of relationship when my dad died. She said, I'm just looking at you and you are completely broken. You are completely devastated and rocked to your core. And she said, and I, the empathy I feel is just huge. And she said, but it's all, it, she said, it's just also incredible and wonderful to me that, that somebody could feel this level of 
loss from it for another human being so just to see it like like in, embodied and Manifest. it's physically out in your body um and she just and she was talking about how um in Muslim culture, they have 40 days of mourning. And she's saying, you know, and, you know, she said, you just, you've got to just go with it, Siobhan, and you've got to get it out. Your body's trying to process this, you know, and you've just got to get it out. And this is what it, you know, and that was how we, she was just great. She's just such lovely. And she said, you know, we literally put down blankets all over the furniture and for 40 days, people just come and you just mourn for 40 and you let yourself heal. And um, and sometimes we don't do that, do we? And I just remember thinking, and two things stuck to me about that conversation, you know, that, you're allowed you have to allow yourself to go through whatever life gives you and also I you know I just felt so grateful for somebody saying it's incredible that you feel that do you know what I mean because I just you know it does feel obviously incredible for you when you you're the person that has had that loss and all that stuff but I just you just end up looking back and just thinking gosh I'm just so grateful because there isn't there isn't you can't get them back so you can't make any more memories but you just properly cherish all of those that you have yeah um and i just think that's thing you know and i was 27 so by the time i was 27 i'd lost my dad and my brother it was crazy that's so young yeah it's so young it's those you know moments that have been the catalyst for me wanting to start these conversations is you know you've had that moment with the doctor and I had these incredible conversations with people after my accident and it was in those moments that gave me hope and gave me the energy that I needed to progress. And I think, you know, in closing, it's just important to say, keep the conversation going. And that's exactly what you've, you've done, you know, so well done. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Thanks very much.